going to be jumping into Ephesians. You've got a Bible app with you. Feel free to open to Ephesians 1. <coughs> a long time ago, somebody told me that uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians has an acronym to make it easy to remember God's Eternal Power Company. I know it's cheesy, but I always use it. <laughs> I literally just used it right now. I'm like, where is Ephesians? Always after Galatians. All right, so this is um, this is just the first two verses, and that's basically all we're going to do this morning. So here they are, Ephesians chapter one, verses one and two says, "Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ." Let's pray again. God, thanks for this opportunity once again. Uh, your word is precious to us. No matter where we are, it is life to us. Um, and this book of Ephesians contains colossal truths, but it also contains incredibly practical lessons. And God, I pray that you would take us both to the heavenlies, which is a phrase that Paul uses in this book again and again, and that also you would take us to our homes and to our workplaces, to our families and to our marriages, because Paul also brings these things into view in the book of Ephesians. So may we see as we study this book how the things that are true in the heavenlies change everything. They reshape our lives, our daily lives, our relationships, uh, the way we conduct ourselves day in and day out. The truths of God matter for all of our life. God, I pray that you would embed them into our hearts that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would transform our hearts through your truth, that we might live out in obedience, in glory to God, the lives that you've given us to live. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I just realized you got this recorder over here, so maybe I should stand here. <laughs> um, all right, so Ephesians is uh, uh, a tremendous book by Paul that's kind of broken up in half. So the first three chapters uh, really kind of unpack the gospel. For us. It does so in profound uh, authority, uh, also with a lot of uh, kind of lofty language, some, some language that is um, unique to Ephesians, uh, like the phrase, in the heavenlies, is used, I think, five or six times in the first three chapters, um, and it's a phrase that Paul really doesn't use a whole lot elsewhere. Uh, and then there's also a phrase, and we'll see it, we see it even in just these first few verses, the phrase, in Christ. And Paul unpacks again and again what it means to be in Christ. And so that's a lot of what Ephesians is about. <laughs> but if you're in Ephesians and you're wondering who this letter is to and you're wondering about the people that it was written to, well, historically in the, in the text of the New Testament, we have a lot of information about this church, actually. So in the book of Acts, starting in verse 18, or I mean in chapter 18, we see Paul's first journey that included um, being in Ephesus. And so in Acts 18, verse 18, it says this, After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. And with him, Priscilla and Aquila at Chentre, uh, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. Okay, that's cool. Uh, and they came to Ephesus, and he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And so this is Paul's first stop in the city of Ephesus uh, while he's kind of journeying through. And one of the reasons he stopped in Ephesus is because it's a major town. 
Uh, it's a huge crossing ground. So if, uh, if you know anything of uh, European geography, the Aegean Sea sits between Greece and Turkey. Uh, Ephesus was essentially one of the capitals of what was basically at that time called Asia. Uh, and Asia back then is essentially Turkey now. Um, and so if you were journeying from Greece, which is a massive uh, population center in that, the first century world, if you're traveling from uh, Greece to Asia, you're probably going to port in Ephesus. It's a major town. Um, and so Paul just kind of traveled through, and we see that he had some companions, and then he left the companions there, and they traveled on. Uh, and then a little bit further here in Acts 18, we hear about a guy named Apollos, uh, who apparently was very, very, very eloquent in speaking, um, but he didn't have a lot of theological training. And so he would get up, and he would teach, um, and he would teach people about God, but he hadn't yet seen all of the truths that Paul and some of his companions had seen about Jesus. And so uh, Apollos did some teaching, and then some of Paul's companions kind of pulled Apollos aside and were like, hey, man, you're really good. Like, you get up in front of people, and, like, they all listen and stuff, and people really like to hear what you're saying, but you need a few more lessons in Jesus and what he did. You need some more lessons in what he came to accomplish. And so they kind of taught Apollos some more, and so that was all happening in Ephesus. So this group of people started to gather together around the preached word. Uh, there was some clarity that was brought there. And then in Acts chapter 19, um, Paul actually goes back to Ephesus. And we find out Paul camps out in Ephesus for three years. So basically when he gets there, he meets a group of disciples and all they knew about was John the Baptist's teaching and his baptism. So they had not yet seen uh, baptism into Jesus Christ like the early church participated. And so Paul instructed them in that. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit was poured out on them. Uh, and then Paul sat and taught them for years and years. But what's significant about Ephesus is that it was one of the primary uh, locations for uh, the worship of Diana, uh, the Roman goddess Diana. There was actually a temple that was kind of being reconstructed for her. Um, and so Ephesus drew a lot of tourism to it because of the temple of Diana. It was the Greek goddess Artemis, Roman goddess Diana. I guess that's the same thing. I'm not a genius in all the gods and goddesses. So you find out that in chapter 19 that there is uh, actually a riot that happens in Ephesus because Paul's there preaching the gospel. And as Paul preaches the gospel to people in Ephesus, they start to take their books about Artemis or Diana and their books about sorcery and like witchcraft and they have this big bonfire. Like they turn to Jesus with such force that their repentance pushes them to this place where they turn away from all of their previous notions of what it means to know God and practice life with power. And so because this great transformation is happening, there's a group of dudes in Ephesus that are selling like little mini temples or something. Um, they've got like these little fake gods that they just kind of craft with their hands. Um, and so they are suddenly losing a lot of money because nobody's coming to buy their little gods anymore or their little temples anymore. And so they get together and they're like, hey, let's just let's raise a ruckus and let's get this Paul guy kicked out of town. Right. And eventually there's this giant riot and these people start screaming, great is Artemis the goddess, right? And they start crying out against Paul and his teaching. 
And in the midst of all this, Paul is almost afraid for his life. Actually, some others near him are more afraid for his life than he is. Um, they keep him away from the crowds because the, the, the crowds want to kill him or they at least want to throw him out of town. And so in the midst of this big city that has a lot of people traveling in and out of it, that has a temple built for the Roman Greek goddesses, the gospel makes such an impact that it changes the way that commerce happens in the town. I mean, it's significant what goes on because of the gospel bearing fruit in this city. And ultimately, when you think about it, it's liberation, right? Because the people think that they're going to have fertility and health and victory in hunting, Aaron, uh, all of these things because of their worship, because of their worship of this God. And so they do these weird practices. They have this sorcery and this witchcraft, all the while thinking that all these things is what's going to bring them life. And we know that that is not what was going to bring them life. And so when Paul reasons with them about Jesus Christ and points them to what true life is, they are liberated from thinking this little goddess is something that's going to help me in my life because the goddess is nothing. There's no power in the goddess, but there is power in Jesus Christ. Um, also in Ephesus, there's these Jewish guys that think they can cast out demons. It's an interesting story. I encourage you to read uh, from the middle of Acts 18 through Acts 20, just as we begin Ephesus, just to get some more background. But there's a group of guys that are called the Sons of Sceva, uh, and they think Paul's pretty cool because he's like healing people and preaching the gospel and dramatic things are happening. And so they're like, hey, let's try. <laughs> let's get together and we can do it. So they try to come and cast out a demon out of somebody and I'm not sure if it has to do with Artemis or not but eventually the demon possessed person turns on the seven sons of Sceva and like beats them naked and makes them run away um, because they don't have any real power right and so you see not only the irreligious people of Ephesus are impacted by the gospel but so too are the religious people in Ephesus because they think hey uh, we can reproduce what's going on let's just put our own packaging on it and then we'll be powerful and we'll be cool and people will listen to us and then you know we'll get up there and stand before people and they'll want to hear us teach well they have no real power in their religion and it's become it becomes very apparent when this demon possessed person jumps them all and kind of beats them to a bloody pulp so very interesting scene in Ephesus but then probably one of the most emotional things about the situation in Ephesus is in chapter 20 and um, actually when we talk about eldership in the church Acts chapter 20 gives us a, a good bit of meat about what elders should do because Paul comes back to Ephesus. Uh, he's at the port. He's about to set sail and leave, and he's pretty sure he's never going to see them again. And he gathers at the port, and he asks, uh, he asks some people to get together the Ephesian elders. And so he brings the <laughs> Ephesian elders together, and he sits there and talks to them about how he'll probably never see them again. And he talks to them about how he had given them their his life. He says, you guys know, for three years I stayed here and I taught you the gospel and I did everything I could to point you to Jesus Christ, but now I'm going to leave. And the scene is somber and heartfelt because these Ephesian elders are starting to weep with Paul. They're deeply burdened by the fact that he's going to leave them. 
and that they probably are never going to see him again. And Paul gives them some really strong exhortation. He's like, hey guys, you need to pay attention to the truth that has been delivered to you because people are going to come in and are going to kind of si- try to sideswipe that truth and are going to try to teach different stuff. And he says, be steadfast, right? Hold on to the gospel. Do not sway from the truth of Jesus Christ because there will be people, even some from your own ranks, that will start teaching things that are not in line with the truth of Jesus Christ. And so Paul in Ephesus establishes such a strong church that he has these elders that he leaves and he says, guys, defend the faith. Reason with people about the gospel. Do not let bad teachers come in and corrupt what God has started in this place. Right? And then finally, Ephesus shows up in Revelation. So in Revelation chapter 2, John, who was one of Jesus' disciples, he's on the island of Patmos. We read some of his stuff last week. He's having this vision of heaven. In chapter 2, he begins to write letters to churches. And it's Jesus writing through John to these churches about things that they need to be warned about. And the first letter is to the church in Ephesus. It's in Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 7. Again, helpful thing to kind of look at as we enter into the book of Ephesians. In this letter, the Ephesian church is encouraged for a lot of good things. There's great stuff happening in the Ephesian church. I'm already straining. <laughs> um, but the letter includes this little caveat. It says you've lost the love that you had at first. So the church had been planted in a kind of a combination effort between Apollos, Priscilla, Aquila, and Paul. It had come to maturity as Paul reasoned with people and taught them the gospel for three years. It had a group of leading elders who were there to shepherd the church even after Paul had gone away. And when Jesus writes a letter to them in Rome or in uh, Revelation, he says to them, there's a lot of good stuff going on, but your love has grown cold. Your hearts aren't what they used to be. And so the encouragement from the Spirit is, hey, just repent and turn back to that first love. Remember what it was that won you over. It wasn't the theology of Paul. It wasn't the reasoning of a well-articulate speaker in Apollos. It was Jesus and what he did for you. And because of what Jesus did for you, your hearts were warmed to love him. And out of the warmth of your heart, you obeyed Jesus. And you became the church. But now you're still doing the activities of being the church. But your love is grown cold. And so in Revelation and also in the book of Ephesians, we find three chapters in Ephesians that proclaim to us the great love of God. And I think the church in Revelation could have just read that letter again and been rewarmed. Their hearts could have been stirred back to affection. Because in the beginning of Ephesians, it's all about the love that Jesus has for us. And how he's had that love from the beginning of time, actually before the beginning of time. It's a spectacular love that when you behold it, it transforms your heart and therefore it affects your behaviors. That's what the book of Ephesians is all about. And it does so in such a way that it transforms culture, transforms the religious hearts, and it it brings about an upheaval to our lives. It shakes things, right? That's the kind of truth that we're going to see as we read in Ephesians. 
So Ephesians 1, 1 and 2, it's Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. He says, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not simply a greeting. It's Paul identifying who he is and why he is who he is. He is who he is because Jesus made him who he was, right? And they, the people in Ephesus, were faithful because of Jesus. They were faithful uh, in Christ Jesus. And then Paul encourages them with this short verse, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to talk a lot about grace and a lot about peace in Ephesians. We're going to talk about the grace that is freely given to God or to us from God and how that grace results in peace. It results in peace between us and God. It results in peace between us and the people that we're close to. And it also, Paul expounds greatly in Ephesians, results in peace between races, between Jew and Gentile. It breaks down walls that would divide people. So these are all aspects of what we're going to be able to talk about in Ephesians, and I'm really excited about it. So uh, starting next week, we'll jump into verse 3. And uh, we've got, I think, 13 weeks in Ephesians. It'll run us into June. Um, it'll run us up to and it'll go a little bit into our city group summer break as well. So we'll be discussing Ephesians in city groups until city groups are done for the summer, which is, will happen in June, I believe. So um, that's what we're looking forward to. Good stuff, right? Awesome. All right. We ready to eat? All right. Cool. Let's pray. God, thanks again. You're gracious to us. Thank you for the letters from Paul. Uh, thank you for the examples of your churches um, and how uh, they weren't perfect people. But still, Paul called them saints. Um, and I, I believe that's because of the work of Jesus. And so we look to that same work, the grace that's been given to us by God through Jesus Christ and how that grace gives us peace. Um, so, Lord, in the midst of our city, uh, we're not temple worshipers here necessarily, uh, but we know that our city is filled with little G gods. Uh, and so, God, even our hearts are prone to worship little G gods or we're prone like those Jewish sons of Sceva to think that religion is the answer to give us power. But deliverance and, and power and grace only comes from God to us in Christ. And so we pray that you would focus our hearts on that truth as we dig through Ephesians in the next several weeks. We love you. Thanks for making your church. Thanks for allowing us to be here today and bless this food.